Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the refurbished Red Bus out on the roads of Illinois again. It's so good to have my co-pilot with me, the great one, Doug Tonus, the, the pod father. How you doing, brother? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm excited. That was a pretty short description of the bus, so I think we're moving in the right direction as we bring back the show already. Don't worry. A more extensive description is coming. I knew it irritates you, so I decided to put it on a, on a, a low end today, but it's coming. Believe me, it's coming. So it's been a while since we, we took this uh, beauty out for a ride, and uh, a lot has happened in the interim. Boylan's gone, obviously uh, a lot going on in the NBA and society in general. But let's start out, let's try to for a moment for a little bit of a diversion and talk about less important topics like the Bulls head coaching search. So let's let's start there. Is there a, a guy out there, a coach out there that you prefer? And if you were our tourists and in the in the management team for the Bulls, would you be targeting? Well, so he's already said he's not gonna coach this year. But if I could change his mind, I would go with Nate McMillan, who just got let go by the Pacers. Uh, If you go through and you look at every team McMillan has coached, I think they all pretty much overachieved their talent level. Uh, The downside is he's had poor playoff performance. And I think this year was probably the worst where they got swept by a team that you felt maybe they should have at least won a few games and they at least had an outside chance to win. Most of the times he's lost in the playoffs, he's lost to teams that were considerably better in talent. Uh, There's only two times where I felt he lost kind of toss-up series this year, and I think it was uh, one year when he was with Portland, and maybe they played Houston or something. There was one where he was a 4-5 or five and lost as well. But in general, I looked through, and I didn't think the playoff record was nearly so damning as the as, as it seemed just because of the quality of the matchups and, and what he was going in with versus what he was facing. But this year, I, I thought it was pretty rough. Like They should have definitely done uh, at least a little better. But but overall, I look at like that Pacers team he's coached and how many wins they've had and how many injuries they've had, and I think, man, this is a guy who's really getting a lot out of whatever he has on his team, and I think the Bulls need a guy like that. They're probably not going to win a championship in the next two years. Uh, I mean, at least I think that. I know, Fred, you're pretty excited and, and, and think they might. <laughs> but if you go with that idea, like even if you get a guy like McMillan who's just a an A to B coach and you get a B to C coach, but you get the talent level up, you get the team playing better, you get to 42, 43 wins, and you become an appealing destination for someone like Giannis. I think that's like a really good short-term goal, and I think McMillan would be the most certain guy to help you with that. There are a lot of good assistants out there who the Bulls are looking at, but you just don't know with these guys who are assistants taking their first head coaching job. You don't know how they're going to end up. I think it's a big jump to go from being an assistant to a head coach you know, I've made that kind of move in my career of going from like a level of detail worker to manager to uh, manager of managers. And every time I've had to step up a level, you know, it's taken me probably a full year to two years to really become comfortable with that new job and that new role. And so I think these assistants who have to become head coaches, I think it's difficult right away and, and they struggle a little bit. And so, you know, getting a guy with some experience, I think is is pretty good. McMillan actually has a ton of experience more than I would normally want probably in a coach, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I, I would still probably go in that direction. You're, you brought up his playoff record. I think it's 3-16 and 16 with the Pacers, but they were never favored in any of those series, I, I believe. Uh, I mean, they were missing Sabonis this year, who was their all-star, one of their all-stars. I mean, come on. It, it was a really difficult ask, and, and I agree with you completely. The other criticism is that he doesn't run a modern offense. 
which is a little bit more concerning, but I agree with you. I think Nate McMillan would be the best uh, possible choice uh, out there on the, uh, the candidates. Here, let's go through a couple other names. I'd like to get your brief comments. M.A. Adoka from the Philadelphia 76ers, an assistant, who right now, according to Vegas, has the best odds to get the job. Uh, what concerns me about the 76ers, and this concerns me a little bit about Eversley as well, who you know is our GM and came from there, is you look at that 76ers team, you're like, this is the most disappointing team in the NBA. No, we no. really want to be poaching their coaching staff and their their general manager. Like, this is a team that formed like one of the most incohesive groups possible, um, and then didn't take advantage of their stuff on the floor either. And and so I'm not going to say that's Udoka's fault, and I'm not going to say necessarily it's Eversley's fault, but it's a little bit concerning that you're you're taking a team that I think is amongst the most dysfunctional. And you're bringing those people into your team, so uh, he might be—he might be great. Like you can't really judge assistants very well. He has an excellent reputation. I wouldn't be upset if we got him, but there is that little bit gnawing feeling in the back of my head. Like I don't know that I really want to load up on 76ers front office people. Uh, given again, I, I feel that team has been misrun uh, for several years. How about Adrian Griffin? I mean, there's a, some disturbing allegations against against him. You know, I don't know the veracity of the claims if they're if they're true or not. But, you know, before this, he was actually my favorite. And then these allegations come out. It's a really difficult situation. What say you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Griffin was probably my favorite as well prior to the allegations. I think you just, even though it's it's so unfair to, like, have this guilty and to proven innocent attitude, and I, I don't really want to feel that way about Griffin, I think that's just a landmine you, you just don't potentially put in front of you. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with these and I'm not going to say it's 50-50, it could go either way. I have no idea if it's 90-10 or 10-90 or, or whatever. Like I, I really have no clue as to whether there, there's any reason to believe one side or the other, and I don't think any of us can know. But I, I just don't think you hire a guy with the potential of already having that hanging over your head two months in, knowing it was out there, and then if it does turn out that there's something to this, having to then let him go or back off it or being in this weird situation, I, I just think that's not something – that you're going to do at this point. Like, it's just too big of a risk to take on. And I think that's disappointing because there's a standing chance there's nothing to this at all. And if it weren't for this, I would have probably really liked Griffin um, as, as a guy. But with this, it's I think that just gets a little bit um, difficult. Like, you just don't want to take on that potential negative PR hit. Well said. Agree 100%. Kenny Atkinson, 7-2 odds. Uh, he's a favorite of a lot of the fans and all the polls I've done online. I hate Atkinson, and I don't know why anyone likes him. This is a guy, the first two years with the Nets, his team didn't own their draft picks, so they weren't tanking. They weren't trying to be bad, and they had just awful records. And so I get that like they had no talent, and so awful was the expectation. But so the absolute best thing you can say is, while the team was not trying to lose, they lost a ton to teams that were trying to lose, and they had very little talent. So maybe that's a neutral, maybe. But it certainly wasn't good, right? So two years definitely wasn't a plus. Like, at best, it's neutral. Then one year, he wins 40-something games. It was like 41, 42, whatever. They make the 7th, 8th seed, whatever, in the East. And people are like, oh, what an amazing year. They totally overachieved. And yeah, it's fine. I mean, like, like, now that those guys are gone, you still see the, the guys who made that run are still playing really well. I mean, they effectively had a, a better record this year without Kyrie Irving and, like, losing D'Angelo Russell. So I don't think, like, he massively overachieved. And then they fired him, like, in the middle of this year. 
Like, so his fourth year, he gets fired, right? Like, he, they let him go because stars don't want to play for him. And I just feel like, all right, so the first two years, can't really say anything good. The last year, he's fired because stars don't like him and the team's not doing anything special. And he's got this one year in his third year where he wins 40 games, and that's like the best selling point. So I, I'm not sure why people are so excited about him. I, you know, I'm, I'm okay, I guess. Like, his reputation is good in the league, and sometimes I think you have to trust that more than other things. But I'm not really thrilled about a guy that the Stars basically kicked out of the organization, given that we're going to probably want Stars to. And I know there's stuff about Kyrie and Kevin Durant that maybe those aren't the best attitude Stars you could have, but you still want to attract Stars. And I think that's that's uh, too much negative around Atkinson and not enough positive. Like, there's nothing I can say that makes me go, wow, this guy is just amazing and, and we should bring him in. Uh, Doug, I mean, I couldn't be more in agreement with you, and I think you and I are in the minority on this. Let's let's go um, on to uh, Tyrone Liu, who's the uh, next one according to the odds. What do you think of him? It's hard for me to say. You know, like, obviously he won a title. Um, he doesn't get much credit for that. People kind of feel like LeBron James uh, just coached the team. And LeBron has always been in his corner, though, and said he's a great coach. Uh, the team did much better once he took over, and that could have just been getting rid of Blatt. Uh, I think it's just like his situation as a coach before is is so strange that it's hard to know how much credit you feel Lou had in that situation, like a very highly veteran team. That said, like I I think if he got those personalities to 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 mingle and win a title against the Warriors, that's actually pretty impressive. Uh, so I'd be okay with Tyrone Lou. I I don't know if I'd be psyched about it. Uh, in some ways, I'd rather go with. Uh, Griffin or Doka go with one of those guys with the first chance. But I, I think Lou, to me, is, is right up there. I think he's kind of like a similar-tiered guy. And at least he does have head coaching experience. I, I think we could say he's star-friendly, you know, that star players would be willing to play for him. And uh, I think that also goes a long way if we're trying to attract people. Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> no. I agree 100%. Like, yep. I, I don't know. Like, Van Gundy wasn't – like, he has this great – he has a much – better reputation than his results actually deserved. Uh, I think he, he coached in a style that was completely against what the NBA is doing now. I agree completely that he, he he's involved enough in the game that he understands how it's evolved. He's probably a smart guy, uh, probably would make the right adjustments. But I, I just would not be confident. This is a guy who's been working like a few hours a day for the last 15 years. Uh, I'm not excited about him, you know, leaving – is it the TNT or ESPN? I forget whichever one he's on ESPN, and, yeah. and coming to, to coach and actually having to put in 12, 14 hour days again. I, I don't know. I just, I would not be excited about him at all. He's got so many meathead sentiments, you know, always defending some of the most egregious behavior of his buddy Tibbs. And I really, I really kind of resent that whole uh, old boy network uh, between him as his idiot brother and Tibbs, it just I find I find it kind of nauseating. A lot of stuff he says on on the game. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't know basketball. He clearly does. He did a great job getting a Knicks team in '98 to the finals. You know, obviously in a poor East uh, in '99, excuse me. Uh, and he did it. You know, he had some nice moments with Houston, but overall, I I just don't understand the infatuation with him. Like he's going to be some kind of savior. I, I don't have any faith he'll come in and run a modern offense and do a great job. Um, you Same. can do worse, but I, I think we're both in agreement. We'd probably have a, do, a Doko or Griffin ahead of him. Yeah, uh, especially with how much we'd likely have to pay him. Like I, no, I just can't it. see the Bulls even considering him. I, I think that's a complete non-starter, to be honest. Wes Unsell Jr., who is a name I keep on hearing quite a bit. 
seven to one odds. Don't really know uh, anything about him. You know, I only started looking into him a little bit since uh, he got mentioned as a possibility for the job. So I don't have a real strong opinion. I think like any of these assistants, uh, he's you know kind of like you just don't know exactly what you're going to get. I think his experience level is a little bit less than some of the other guys. You know, we were looking at. So I'm. Yeah, I don't have a strong opinion. I think it's just probably true of most of the rest of the guys that are going to be on your list. Any of these guys who are assistants, yeah, I think it's just kind of like you, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. You know, I think at those point, at that point, you have to start looking at what was their reputation around the league. You know, what do people who've worked with them say about them? And you have to kind of just take a guess. Uh, but it, it's hard to know exactly what you're going to get out of these any other guys. Last name uh, before we go on to another topic is Mark Jackson. <laughs> I would, I, I would probably stop doing the show if we hired Mark Jackson. <laughs> I, like everything you said about Van Gundy is also true of Mark Jackson. Um, just says like total meathead, stupid things. Except also he has like a way worse coaching record, and you know he's completely homophobic. Uh, the thing where he tried to get uh, Stephen Curry to go to the uh, his church. And then while he had a sprained ankle, like, Faith healed him and told Curry to jump up and down on the sprained ankle. Like, that was just, like, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I can't believe that that uh, that story. I would never want that guy around my organization. Okay. I need to do more homework on some of these stories because I wasn't aware of that one. But that does sound yeah, if you look absolutely up, awful. He, 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 he's, Curry is out with an injury. He takes him to his church. They do like this little ceremony where they faith heal him, and then he makes Curry jump up and down on the ankle to show that the faith healing worked. Oh my god! Like that, it's it's like I can't believe that. Yeah. Like I just, I like I don't want to disrespect anyone's beliefs who's religious or anything else. You know, completely, completely okay to have whatever beliefs you have, but like I don't think you can mix that in as deeply with your job. Oh my as, god! As Jackson if if did. you're affecting the health and of a player, especially you're putting a guy at physical medical risk. I think that is just outrageous. That's every bit as bad as, you know, Tibbs playing Noah 40-plus minutes in the month of December of 2013. So, agreed. That's, that, I never heard that story, but it's just awful. Let's move on to another topic, and, and this is a, a tweet I had out. I, I have these incredible polls that I, I post on Twitter. Uh, I encourage everyone to follow me. It's at CBEFred, as in Chicago Bullseye Fred. CBE Fred. My poll question was, would you trade Levine, one of the other core four, and I define a core four as Levine, White, Laurie, Wendell Carter Jr. And I'll let them, I'll let the Sixers pick whoever they want out of those other three players. And the Bulls number four overall for Ben Simmons. So Levine, one of the other guys, and your pick for Ben Simmons. Yes. I want to say yes, because I just feel like Ben Simmons is at least a low-rung star kind of player. It yeah. can have a star impact, and none of those other guys can. And, you know, any one of those core four, probably, I'm not, like, so excited. Lowry's contract is going to be up. I'm not a big believer of anyone in this draft. I don't think you're going to get a star player out of this draft either. Agreed. So I think the value is there. The only concern I have is, like, one, Simmons makes a ton of money. Two, he can't shoot. I, I don't think that's ever going to be fixed. He's also you know, injury-prone a little bit. I'd be concerned about his ability to stay healthy. All fair points. And he, he doesn't really fit kind of like the modern NBA offense. He'd be a difficult guy to build around in, in some respects. Like, you basically need everyone else around him to be a shooter. And, then, and he's just, like, paid so much. So you're not getting, like, any of these cheap years left. Um, I, I still think I'd have to do it, though. 
I, I mean, I like agree. even with those things aside, I, I still think you have to do it. Like none of those guys are just valuable enough to say I wouldn't take this guy who's at least a star. And you could it'd be difficult to build around him, but you could do it. You'd have to you have to be careful. You have to trust your GM makes a good move. Uh, to, to bring in shooters and the right kind of players around him. But I think you could build a very good team around Ben Simmons. Absolutely agree. In fact, I, I kind of point to what Milwaukee did. He's very similar player to Giannis. He's obviously nowhere near as good right now. But, you know, Giannis really can't shoot. He's not a threat. People want him shooting the three, right? But he's yeah. excellent defensively. Simmons, his defense this year, I watched a lot of the 76ers. I, I was so impressed with how well he played D. He'll probably be a first-team all-defensive player. He'll definitely make the all-defensive team. And, you know, I just go back to Chris Dunn, who I saw did a fantastic job on Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Trey Young. But when he had Ben Simmons, he had no chance. The guy just was absolutely too big, and he absolutely destroyed him. The guy's huge. He can handle the ball. I think if you build the right a shooting team around him, I think you could become a similar team to Milwaukee is now. Uh, and I agree with you 100%. Like, he's never going to be a great shooter. He's never, he doesn't even try. But he's an all-star. He's to me, has a, a tremendous ceiling and a higher ceiling than any of the players being discussed here. The one caveat is I would feel a little bit, you know, concerned about trading Kobe White and Levine in that I think Kobe White really showed me some things in, at the end of after the all-star break that said, well, maybe he's a little bit better than I expected. And that might be a, a little bit too much when you're sending Levine, Kobe White, and the number four overall for one player. But uh, I, I agree with you. I'd still do it. If you had to give up one of those three, who would you pick, though? If, if the Sixers said, well, you take, pick one of the three, who would you send to them? I, it's tough to say. Uh, you know, part of me says I'd probably immediately go with Wendell Carter Jr. Um, but he's the guy they would want to send the least, take the least, though. You know, so the least likely uh, choice for them because it doesn't solve any problems for them. But uh, Carter is a guy who I'm not sure fits super well next to Simmons, whereas Lowry, even though I'm I'm questionable about what he can do, certainly a stretch four is going to fit really well next to Simmons. And Kobe White is an uh, who could play off the ball and defend a point guard, but then you know play off the ball and, and just be a shooter and give you some extra creation. I think he would play well next to Simmons. So I think those guys fit better next to Simmons. Yeah, I mean, the other temptation would be Lowry, but just because who knows if you're going to keep him after this year. Uh, and so you view Carter and, and White as longer-term assets that you can keep. And if you want to make a free agent push, those guys will be on rookie deals longer, so you'll be able to, to do more with cap room. So from an efficiency standpoint and in, in your financial flexibility, it makes more sense to send Lowry, even though it's probably a better fit next to Simmons. I agree with you. Kobe White would be the least likely guy. I'd want to send one because he has the longest number of years of control left at a, at a cheap rate and because I think he would fit well next to, to Simmons. So he, he'd be the last of, of my choices. Lowry or Carter, I think it's just a toss-up depending on if you're going for fit or financial flexibility. From a Sixers perspective, I would say uh, Lowry and Levine would be the two best to bring in simply because they're, they're both the best shooters that could absolutely yeah. – fit well with Embiid. I think that team would be significantly better. You'd have shooting from Levine, who's very underrated as a three-point shooter. He really he's getting better every year. And and uh, Laurie, who, although he hasn't hit his ceiling yet, we all probably agree he's got a higher shooting ceiling than any of the players in this that, that would be going over there with possible exception to Zach. So uh, I think that, that, that group would fit in really well. I actually think that would be a nice core three 
for Philly. Um, let's ask the same question for uh, Joel, Joel Embiid. Let, let, let's start out with this first one. If you were the Sixers, what player would you prefer to trade? Embiid or Simmons to the Bulls? I would say probably Embiid. Agreed. Of those two guys. That's correct. Uh, and they have similar problems in a way. Like, neither one is a prototypical player that you'd want to build around in the modern NBA. Yeah, they both have injury histories that would scare you going forward. Embiid has fewer years of control left, and that's probably what would ultimately make me choose Embiid as the guy I would move if I were to move one of those guys. Agreed, too. And, and plus, Embiid, I, I can't help thinking, you know, they just got swept. There was just too much talent around him to get swept. I, I make this point. Like, if you're all that, if you're one of the best five players in the NBA – you can't go into a series against the Celtics. I know they're a talented team. I know they're a good team. You just can't get swept and beat like that if you're all that. You, I, can't, you can't be dying for I have a hard breath. time putting that on Embiid. I mean, did you see Embiid's numbers in that series? Yes, I also saw him barely being able to stand up in the second half. This happens every year where he's out of shape. Every single year. Yeah. He's not I, I in get shape. I, I get it. I, like, I kind of agree with you. All I'm saying is I don't think Embiid was the guy who let them down in that series, I, I think it's hard to pin pin that loss in that series on him. And Boston's a great team, and Embiid was, you know, very much clearly Philly's best player and was extremely dominant for large parts of that series. So, yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I just can't quite get on board entirely with it, though. I have serious questions about Embiid now. I really do. Like, I, I don't think he's serious about this. Is not at the point of his career where he sh- this is his prime. This is where he should be at his best. He's injury prone. He's already shown that. He just—he's not in shape. And it, to me, for an NBA basketball player, that's the minimum you should expect. Like if you're serious about your game, he's not in the physical condition he should be in. So I—I'd even have reservations about bringing. So let's ask the second part of this question: Would you trade Levine, one of the core four and number four overall, for Joel Embiid? Probably, but I'd like it a lot less. I wasn't that excited about doing it for Ben Simmons either. <laughs> like, I thought that was questionable, but I, like, had to do it. And with Embiid, I think the answer is still yes for the same basic reasons. Like, I think you can you can build a, a decent team around him, but I have the exact same concerns as you. I'm a little disturbed at how much we're agreeing on this show, given I that know. we didn't discuss any of this in the past. But, yeah, <laughs> I, Embiid, I think the same thing. The one thing I'll say is with centers, you commonly see a lot of these great centers struggle with conditioning. They're just so much bigger. It's so much harder to have that level of conditioning, especially when the game has become so much faster. You heard the same things about Shaq in his prime, too. I, I, I just feel it's like a different level to, to get your body up to that cardiovascular fitness when you're, you know, seven foot something and weigh near 300 pounds. Like, it's just it's just a different type of, of deal. So I, I don't put quite as much blame on it. But the result is still the same, whether he's serious or not. And I think he also struggles getting into shape just because of his injuries in the past. Uh, and probably can't do as much work to it because he's trying to stay healthy. But in, in the end, the result is the same. Like he, he's he's not in the condition you need him to be in. He can't be dominant in as many stretches. But he's still at least a legitimate star. I don't think he's a top five player. I don't even think he's a top ten player. But he's like a top fifteen player. And I think you just have to take that and and deal with the negatives rather than these guys who are like at best like top twenty, top thirty type potential guys and. And, and, you know, maybe not even in the top 30. So I, I, I think you still have to take Embiid there. Which of the following players would – this is another poll question. I was shocked at the results. 
uh, and we're going to go a little bit NBA wide here with this one. Which of the following players would you prefer leading your team for the next two seasons? So let's say we could pick one of these next four players, drop them on the Bulls. I don't, I don't even want them to say the Bulls, just any team for the next gotcha. two years. LeBron, Kawhi, Luka, or Giannis? Out of those four, who would you say one, two, three, four? Oh, man, that's a good question. I was I appalled at the results of this poll, by the way, and I think you'll, I hope you'll agree with me. There was almost a thousand of votes on it. And um, take a guess who won out of those four LeBron, Kawhi, Luka, Giannis. I'm going to say Luka won. He did. 53% of the vote, which to me is absolute insanity. And he's a great player, and he's already proven me wrong probably on his ceiling. But the next two years, you're really picking Luka over Giannis. Or Kawhi. Yeah, I think over over five years, I would take Luca. No doubt. Yeah, um, or yeah five years two, is still. I'd say ten years. He's twenty, right? You know, like I still think Giannis, even five years. Even five years, I'd take Luca. I don't trust Kawhi to stay healthy for five years. And they're already Giannis? load managing him very seriously. Agreed. LeBron clearly isn't going to last at an extreme high level for five years. No, uh, and Agreed. it's just Giannis versus Luca, and I feel you could just build a team around Luca so much easier. I, I understand that. I think two years is just a little short. The one thing I'll say is, if I'm getting them with the contract that they're on, I'll take Luca because he costs like one fifth what those point. otherwise costs. Fair point. Let, let's take contract out of the equation, though, and that's and I think that was clear. And you know, even even with yeah. the contract, I'd still say Gian, I'd still take Giannis for two years. The next two years, I would. I would uh, with contract, I would take Luca for sure. I wouldn't even wouldn't even think about it. He's close enough. And then I've got an extra $30 million to spend on other players. That's a fair uh, argument. Fair argument. Let's but, throw it out the window. Maybe that's why they voted. Maybe I shouldn't have been so quick to judge. Fair argument. Let's throw but, the contract out the window. Yeah, throwing contract out the window, I would still probably go with LeBron first, Kawhi second, Giannis third, and Luka fourth. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess you, you kind of highlighted a point which I didn't realize that I probably should have said throwing the contract out the window because it makes sense now why people would say 53% since he is on a rookie deal. Great point. Thanks, Doug. I, should, I shouldn't have been so critical of the, of the fans who voted uh, Luca. I don't know if that was the reason. I do think people are really caught in the moment with how much better Luca is than expected. And he is playing at a level that is like MVP caliber. No doubt. I, I don't think it's like entirely ridiculous, but I... I just like would trust LeBron in big moments in the playoffs more than any of those other guys. I would maybe take Kawhi over LeBron. I think that was my hardest choice of those. But I, for just two years, I would take either of those guys over Giannis, and I'd, I'd still would have to take them over Luca, even even despite how amazingly impressed I am and how completely wrong I was uh, about him. I wouldn't say I was completely wrong. I, I always said that he had incredible vision. I mean, and I said that he had offensive skills that would translate. What I've been surprised at is that he's been able to dominate without a fantastic three-point shot. Like, I, I thought his athleticism and the athleticism of the NBA would help mitigate his ability to drive, and he's, his size and strength still allows him to get in the lane at will. And, yeah, uh, his size, strength, and ball handling Incredible. are just much better than I thought they were. Like, those, like I, I thought, yep, great passer, uh, but his size, strength, and ball handling and shiftiness – and quickness like his 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 speed with the ball and creativity with the ball is is just so much better than i thought it was agreed 100 percent. and you know he still hasn't shot a great from three and 
you know, I think he, he, he falls for those you know, step-back threes a little too much. I know he hit one to win a game the other day, but I saw a stat. I think he was 0 for 10 during the season in, that, in those situations with that step-back shot. His ability to get in the lane and, and his vision is just so off the charts. He's he's an absolutely amazing player. And I, looking, I don't care if Trey Young, that Atlanta trade was so awful. I mean, or in Sacramento, in retrospect, those franchises, how could you, oh my goodness, it's it's almost, Jordan, you know, it's not to that level where Portland passes on Jordan, but it's close. It's really incredibly uh, insane that, that Atlanta would pass, and, and not only them, especially Sacramento. Yeah, I don't think you're so upset if you're Atlanta. I mean, obviously you're upset. You'd take, you'd take uh, Doncic over Trey Young. You wouldn't even think twice. But Trey Young feels like maybe he's a legitimate star on his own as well. Uh, I think if you're Sacramento or you're Phoenix, <laughs> I think you have to be beside yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, and, and Aiton is, it kind of had a decent year this year and maybe he'll come along and be okay. And, and Phoenix, you know, they had a great run in the bubble and, and maybe they also have a little bit to be excited, but yeah, you're right. Probably Sacramento is the, the team that really, of those three teams that had the shot at Doncic and ultimately passed, uh, Sacramento is the one who has to be feeling the most pain by a, a really big margin. So I don't know where you're at with your draft prep. I, I, I've just begun it in, uh, in my evaluation of some of these players. I've been mortified. i got to admit, overall, I don't think this is a good draft in what I've seen. Um, some of these players that people are talking about for the Bulls at four, this Denny A guy from, uh, I don't know if you watched any of his tape from Europe. I, I, I think there's a, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, or do you agree this is possible? I think there's a desire to find the next Luca. And and I think it's it's being it's obvious that there's a little bit of that with this guy, um, because he can't shoot. He's under fifty percent from the free throw line. These are huge red flags for me, and he's nowhere near as good or as big as, as uh, Luca. Uh, what say you? Have you done any prep on on him at all? Yeah, I've seen his highlight videos. Um, I mean, I think he's taller than Luca is, right? So I don't think that's entire. He's not as uh, as strong for sure. And I don't think he's going to be the next Luca, and I don't think anyone uh, scouting him thinks he's going to be the next Luca either. But he he is, you know, I was I was kind of thought the same thing as you. I was discussing the topic pretty in-depth with someone who, who follows a lot of European basketball, and they kind of sold me it. Like, if you compare this guy to other prospects his age and what they've done, is is he's really a legitimate prospect. He's really good. And, you know, he didn't say this guy's going to be a star, but I, I do think that, I'm. Uh, I would absolutely consider him at four, and not so much because I think he's so great, but it does get down to what you said. There's just really not a lot of guys you'd look at at four in this draft that you'd feel confident about. And I think he's one of the ones where I feel like, yeah, he has legitimate upside. Uh, you could see how he could become a good player, but the free throw shooting is definitely a huge red flag. The fact that he doesn't have consistent form on his jumper, you're going to have to hope he can turn that around. And, and figure out how to become a good shooter for him to really become a, uh, a great player in the NBA. I just see a Mo Bamba-like, I've already seen it, a Mo Bamba-like effort to you know, show him hitting a bunch of open ju- jumpers in an empty gym is going is forthcoming, and it's just insanity to me. Like in today's NBA, you better be off the charts with one skill, whether it's defense, passing, or, you know, I don't know, ball handling, vision. Well, well he's known as a good shoot, ball handler, a good passer. He's uh, and not a good defender. Great. It's not. He's, he's not great. Any. I heard Ricky O'Donnell say this, and I agree with him. On my video, he's a he's a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, he's a, he's except shooting. He's not even a jack of shooting. He's terrible shooter. Like, 
I just think this is a huge warning sign to get him. I'm not saying he can't be a contributor. At best, he's going to be a rotation player. He's not going to be a star. And I think if you're drafting that high, I'd rather take a, another swing and a miss on a big a player with a higher ceiling than this guy. I just think there's too much Luka. Luka's vortex is, is affecting him. I don't think if Luka Doncic existed, anybody would be talking about this guy in the top five. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I, I think, like I said, part of it is look at this draft. Like, which, who has this star potential that you want to see in this high ceiling in this draft? Like, I don't want to get in no fight here has, because I know I most people disagree with me. Potential to some I, degree. I love Obi Toppin. Now, people are going to throw out his age. He's 22. You know, Brandon Clark got hurt based on that last year. He, he's got elite we, athleticism, and I agree. He's not, a, he's not a three. You know, the more I'm watching him, he's going to be a four and a five in the NBA. But I think he has the ability to be an all-star. I think he's got all-star potential. Yeah, I, I am very down on guys who are playing against crap competition and are 22 years old. <laughs> okay. It's, not, it's like, not crap competition in college. Do you believe that the, that the uh, Israeli league that Denny played in is better than the college, the, the, the college basketball, United States college basketball? Do I Division think it's one. better than A-10? Where, well, Dayton, where Dayton played a lot of I think it's better teams. than A-10? Absolutely. Yeah. It's not even close. Do Duke, I think it's better than college basketball as a whole? Yeah, probably. I, I disagree. I think Duke could be. Uh, uh, Mari Stoudemire today is in the Israeli league. Is he better than like some random dude in college? Almost certainly. At this age, is he better than the best college player? Probably not. But is he better than just like Joe Random college player? Almost certainly. Skill wise, maybe. Like they're they're better basketball. Everything players. wise. No, no, no. Everything wise, like I think, especially if you're talking about the A10. <laughs> I mean. It's just like yes, the top college players are are super good, but for the most part, if it's not Kentucky, Duke, or North Carolina or whatever, there's no more than two of these guys on a team, and the rest of the guys are like nothing. The rest of the guys in college aren't going to go on to play professional ball. They couldn't get like, how many college players do you think will ever be able to have a career where they could play pro ball in the Israeli league after college? What percentage? Five percent. So. I mean, that means the Israeli league is better than 95% of college no, players. No, so, it's yes, not. it's a higher caliber league. It, and they're more experienced, and they play together longer. So, it, it is. It's a higher caliber league. No, I mean, Grant, Denny's stats in the Israeli league aren't, like, off the charts or anything either. But he is playing against grown-ass men. And I think the, the, the play caliber is higher there. But he's not putting up, like, 30 a night or anything. To, to act like Dayton, I, I agree. The conference isn't great. They played Virginia Tech. They played Kansas. They played uh, St. Mary's, Colorado. They, they had a good schedule. It wasn't like it was terrible. VCU's a decent team. You make a good point. Hey, you might have won this one. You might have won this one. I might have, I might have to, to reevaluate my, my point, my thought process on this. And uh, it's, it's a testament to your ability to argue because it's rare that I'm wrong. I might be wrong in this one. <laughs> I, I guess you're like, you make a better point. If this was the ACC and he was dominating the ACC, I just look at him, I see, I heard the Stoudemire comparison, and I, I, I could see that. I think he's got a way better outside shot than Stoudemire ever had, which you kind of yeah. have to have in today's game. I mean, he shot 39% from three. Um, and and, and there, I think there's two things that really bother me when people criticize him. Number one, they, they criticize his D, and – and, and that, to me, does not take into effect, and I'll point out a, f- a few uh, highlights where he didn't play great D, that never takes into effect context. If you're a head coach at grade school, high school, and college, when, as soon as your best player picks up two or three fouls, you're reminding them, I, I can't have you pick up another foul. 
cannot pick up another file. That affects how a player plays. You do not play aggressively at that point forward. You do not try to pick up another foul. He was the best player on that team. He fouled out of one game. He had many games where he had three or four fouls, and that's just going to happen when you're a rim protector. So I don't judge a guy. Uh, I think it's a mistake to not to judge defensive tape out of context, and it happens all the time. I saw one critique of the game he fouled out of his defense in, in, in that game specifically. Look at his defense here, and it was clear to me, yeah, his coach had told him, you got three or four fouls, do not reach in, do not be aggressive here. You need, we need you to just go straight up. We can't, ha- we can't have you fall out of this game. It's never talked about. It's never discussed. I think it's a big mistake. I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, uh, I can't get on board with that. i got to be honest with you. I, uh, I didn't think he was a good defender. I thought he was very slow laterally. I agree. He's good. There's a lot of things to like about him. Look, this is where you're going to get with every single guy you discuss in this draft. You're going to be like, well, you know what? Uh, I can pick out these flaws, and it's easy to shoot down any player in this draft. And I, I think that's the, the real thing. You can shoot down all of them because they all have flaws, but you have to pick one of them, right? Yeah. And, and so it's really just about picking the guy with the, the flaws you think are most fixable, the guy you think has the best work ethic uh, to improve on those flaws. And when you're looking at that, that's the one thing that scares me about him is because he's 22, you know, he's just three years ahead of all these other guys. He has these flaws at 22 that are maybe comparable to these other guys who have flaws at 19. And, you know, it's not entirely clear. I, I think you're right with Brandon Clark being a great counterexample of someone who came in and, and has, like, a similar profile and, and did really well, and you'd be really ecstatic if you had if you had taken Clark despite his age. So I, I, I think that's also a good counterexample and maybe kind of how you noted, like, Luca is – is creating a little bit more excitement for Denny. I think Clark is actually creating a little bit more excitement for Toppin. Good point. Very valid point. I think uh, Obi Toppin's offensive ceiling is considerably higher than than uh, Clark. Clark is a much better defender, no doubt. But uh, you know he doesn't have the range. Also, Clark played next to a, another player who was drafted in the first round, where Toppin was the focus of every team that he played. He's clearly the best player on that Dayton team. There's a lot of these factors that I don't think are often brought into discussions, right? I've, I've heard people discount Toppin for a lot of these same reasons. He's 22. It sounds like, though, you're, you're in the camp. Age is a major issue. Age is a major factor for me in every draft. I mean, if you think about like what most NBA stars who get drafted at 19, if you try and think about what they would be doing in college if they stayed until they were 22, you know, it's... They would just be destroying the league, you know. Like it's so. I age is a major factor to me, uh, but you know he's only got two years of experience. I don't know, uh, like why he only has two years. Like what what happened? How he could be that old and only have two years? He redshirted a year, got injured or something. I I didn't get into that level of uh, of of detail there. So so part of that is a factor that mitigates the age a little bit. He's only got two years of college experience, even though he's aged like a, a senior. Uh, it's not like he's got four years of coaching, and so that. That kind of makes me feel like maybe the ceiling isn't entirely tied to the age. You discount Toppin at 22 performing this well, and you prefer to draft another guy who's younger, who hasn't had the, the game tape or even close to the achievements that Toppin has just because of the age, and, that, and that's a big factor for you. It's a big factor. I mean, it's, so it's like we would agree, right? Like if you, had, if you had a guy who had the same performance but was 19, you'd take the 19-year-old. So, so we agree like there's some value, right, to that? 
Yes. So it's just really not a matter of how much value. How much better do you need to be at 22 than 19? And so like his, his statistical profile is probably like the best of the guys we would consider. The other question is like the, the strength of schedule and who he did it against, I think comes up a little bit, but I agree his statistical profile profile is the best of the guys out there, but is it like so much better to be three years older? And, and I kind of feel like the answer to that for me is probably not. But again, like I said, you can shoot down any of these guys. I mean, I don't know who, do you, maybe, I don't know if you want to go over more guys individually, but who do you just like at this pick? Assuming uh, Wiseman, Edwards and, and Ball are gone. I, I think people, ESPN is at least pumped that those are the first three picks. Let's just assume they are. I, I actually think Ball might fall. But let's assume those are the first three picks. Who do you like next? Oh, boy. This is a tough question. I'm not a fan of Ball at all. Do you kind of just hope he's gone so what? we don't have to choose to take him? <laughs> See, I like Obi Toppin probably out of all the guys. I, I just What I've seen so far, I like him the most. I think he, he's got the highest – likelihood to be a star in the NBA. I don't think any of these other guys I've watched, and I've watched almost everybody predicted in the top ten. Let's look at the ball. LaMelo Ball. Can't guard anybody. He's not strong enough. He's not big enough, even remotely big enough, I think, to play in the NBA. I think he's a worse version of his brother. And his brother is not even, by any sense of the imagination, a success in the league. Talk. What's your opinion of him? If, if Ball's there or Toppin's there, who do you take? Oh, God. I, I mean, like, with any of these guys, I hope we just trade the pick. I agree. Kind of, I, I, I kind agree. Of, like, because we all feel that way, that means there's not going to be a good trade on the table, right? Like, yeah. No one wants this pick. Uh, I, I kind of hope LaMelo is there because I think there's a greater chance some team will fall in love with LaMelo and, and trade trade with us. Yeah. Um, I would probably take LaMelo if he's available, even though I would hate myself a little bit for it. I, I like Killian Hayes more than Melo. Have you watched him at all? I'm, I'm a bigger fan of yeah. him than LaMelo. I'm not a fan of Wiseman. I like Anthony Edwards. I think he's going to go one. Uh, Anthony Edwards is going to be a player in the NBA. You know, I, I think he's got legit ability. He's one of the few guys I think you can get him the ball and he'll create something. But everybody else in this draft, I'm, just, I'm not in love with anybody. Halliburton I kind of yeah, like too. I, uh, I would probably go with LaMelo at four if he's there. Um, assuming Edwards and Wiseman are, are off the board. I would take either of those guys. Uh, those would probably be my number one and two in the draft. Uh, probably Edwards, then Wiseman, and then Mello. And to me, it's like four is a, is a crapshoot. But like I, like I said, all these guys are crapshoots to me. Like I'm not – I think maybe Edwards is the guy I'm most convinced will be a good player. Yes. Uh, Wiseman yeah. is the second – like Wiseman I'm actually convinced will be a good player too. It's just – I'm not. It's like I don't, why do I want a center? That's like, exactly right. Like, you you can't, know, it's like, yeah, I think it'll be good. It'll probably be a top five center in the league, but it'll be like getting DeAndre Ayton or something. And like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm happy I got him, but like, I, I'm not super excited about that either. I like I like Halberton Vassal more than I like Wiseman. It's so weird, and most of these guys like Halberton and Vassal are all predicted to go eight, nine. So I agree with you. Like, I'm, I'd be more encouraged to draft to to, to trade down. And get one of those yeah, guys who I think are going to be better players than Ball or um, and, and Wiseman. I'm not a, a Wiseman guy at all. I'm not at all. The, the, thing, the thing is, if those guys uh, you know, get viewed as better players by the professional scouts, they'll just go at two or three. You know, The fact that ESPN has Wiseman and Mello as like at the top of their board is, is like kind of irrelevant right now. <laughs> you know, it's like that's what their scouting said, but the pro scouts will they'll, they'll take those guys two, three, whatever. Like you don't know what other teams are going to do. 
So I don't think you can like look at the mock draft boards and where guys are rated right now, especially in a draft that's a gigantic crapshoot, and feel you have any idea who will be available if you're drafting seven, eight, nine, ten. Like it just it's it's going to be a wild guess. It's going to be a wild draft day for that reason. I would trade down if you look at like the opportunities to trade down. Uh, Boston is like the team that has the highest pick that also has multiple picks in this draft, and they're at fourteen. Uh, and I think that's like probably a little bit too far to trade down. Uh, from number four, I think their other picks off the top of my head are 26 and 30. Even though they gave me 26 and 30 and 14, I don't think I'd give up number four for it. So you maybe hope you'd get a trade kind of like uh, Dallas did and Atlanta did, where it's like, yeah, we'll trade from four down to like eight to ten, and then we also get someone's uh, pick in 2021. I think like that's the type of deal I would consider if, it, if it's on the table. But I just don't know that anyone's going to be so excited about this draft that they want to trade up. Agreed. I think this is enough for us to take the big red bus into the off the streets of Illinois and pull in the driveway. Uh, it's a great another, almost like a re-inaugural ride. I, I felt so free with the windows open, my hair blowing in the wind talking with you. This was a very enjoyable ride. What did you say? What say you? I say we put up a poll to rename the show so I don't have to listen to bus references. That's, <laughs> what, right. that's what right. I say. I, that's possible. That's a good good suggestion. I was thinking of maybe re, uh, renaming it the Red Leviathan. What, what say you? You like that one? No? I don't know. i got to hear how many Leviathan uh, references you can make. <laughs> Do you want me to describe the Leviathan for five to ten minutes before we eat you? you might be I, mean, more I mean, you might be running out of bus material. Maybe Red Leviathan makes it work. So, uh, it's hard for me to say. Doug, it's good to be back with you, brother. Great content. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, we're looking forward to doing this weekly going forward. So you're the best, my man. Great talking to you, the Podfather. Great talking to you, Fred. Love doing it. Take it easy, DT. Have a good week.